Well, good morning, Mission Cincinnati, and welcome to this third Sunday in the season of Easter Tide. It is also the first Sunday that we are kicking off our new series, Hashtag Neighborhood, When Resurrection Life Goes Local. And every week of this series, we're going to be looking at a different lectionary passage from the Gospels and exploring the questions of how does the resurrection of Jesus make a difference for our neighborhoods and in our individual everyday lives. And so also every week of these series, in order to dive into these passages and make them relevant to us, we want to interview someone in our community who we think might have something relevant to say about these things or who, from our perspective, really embodies the things that we really desire for Jesus to form in us. And so today I wanted to invite my good, good friend, Bishop Todd O'Neill, to join us. Bishop, we are so happy that you are here with us today. It's good to be here. Praise the Lord. If, uh, if you've never gotten to meet Bishop Todd, you are missing out. He is an amazing, amazing friend, an amazing encourager, and just a genuine lover of people. Um, I feel so encouraged and loved by you every time I spend time with you. And every time I go to one of your celebrations, there's such a mixture of all different types of folks from all over the place who have been brought together who might never have known each other through friendship with you. And so those are aspects of the way that you cultivate friendship with such a diversity of people is just something I so admire and appreciate about you. So thank you for all you've done to invest in my family's life and indeed in the life of our congregation. Thank you. Your family, too, is a blessing to all of Cincinnati, and we are grateful that God sent you up here to Cincinnati. Thank you. So, so tell us a little bit about you. You're the pastor of House of Joy Christian Ministries. Yes. Along with that, what else, what else sort of characterizes who the man of Todd O'Neill is? Well, I've been pastoring since 86. And I've been working in prison since 76, and I've been leading choirs since 66. So I guess it's all in those six. <laughs> 76, 76, 86. And one of the reasons why it has been a part of our family to bring people together, because that's what our parents always did. My mother, my father, they mm. always brought people together, and it was just a norm to bring people who were different together to worship, to sing, and to just praise the Lord. Hmm. Awesome. And so I know you and I have been talking a little bit about this morning's passage from Luke 24 when Jesus shows up kind of surprisingly. I feel like God's doing a sneak attack a little bit. Shows Mm -hmm. up with these guys who are walking on the road to Emmaus and they don't recognize him. They don't know who this guy is and they're sort of like how in the world don't you know what's happened to Jesus? This has been the biggest news going on recently. And then Jesus starts speaking with them. And the passage says that he opened the scriptures so that they could understand. And later on in the passage, after they recognize that it was Jesus who was with them, and after Jesus leaves, they reflect on this experience with each other. And they say this line that just grabbed my heart that says, we're not our heart's burning within Burn. us yes. when he yes. opened the scriptures to yes. us. Mm-hmm. And, and I've just been reflecting on that verse this week and thinking about, well, well, first of all, obviously Jesus was explaining all the texts of the Old Testament or the mm-hmm. Hebrew scriptures mm-hmm. in the way that they pointed to him yes. and showed people what God was going to do in and through him as Savior and Messiah. But I was thinking maybe beyond that, 
I wonder if part of how Jesus opened the scriptures to these guys allowed them to see or gave them vision and imagination for what the kingdom of God that Jesus had come to bring could really look like in their life on a day in day out basis. And so I was curious as I'm thinking about that, and I actually didn't tell you this question, so it's just coming to my mind right now. So I'm putting him on the spot here. He's been putting me on the spot ever since I got here. Well, and that goes both ways, okay? <laughs> um, so how have you experienced the kingdom of God in your life? Well, I believe, um, and it's not just one time, that we are experiencing the kingdom of God. Some people right now who are not able to get out of their homes or not able to get outside, but you are experiencing the kingdom of God right where you are. You have time to reflect, time to think, time to count your blessings, time to just get revived and renewed and restored. This is the kingdom of God, whether we are together or whether we are apart. Um, when we were talking about um, my parents, my father was going to be a Catholic priest. So really? my my brother and my two sisters are Catholic. My brother is Baptist because when my father and mother met, they organized a Baptist church. So my brothers are Baptist and my other brothers, charismatic and my other brother, Pentecostal. And I used to be a Methodist pap pastor and I went overseas for the Presbyterian church and I never saw any problems with the denominations coming together. It wasn't until I went to seminary that I realized um, some people just don't get along. But the kingdom, <laughs> the kingdom of God is when we see value in one another, hmm. when Jesus is truly the center and we can come together regardless of our denomination, regardless of our race, regardless of our sex, regardless hmm. of our denomination, any of those things, Jesus is Lord. Hmm. And when Jesus Amen. is Lord, we are brothers and sisters, whether you young or old, rich or poor, the kingdom of God embodies all of us. We are the kingdom of God together. Hmm. Amen. And um, I was in Kenya and I had a dear friend to speak in, and he had written many other um, evan evangelism literature for the Methodist church. And he was explaining to them, say, yes, you read my books. I taught you evangelism. He said, I had it in my head. He said, but it wasn't in my heart. Hmm. And see, the men on the road to Emmaus they knew the scriptures. They had a knowledge of it. But when they met Jesus, Jesus gave them understanding. Mm -hmm. And when they received the understanding, they said, stay with us, stay with us. And then when he broke the bread, they knew that it was Jesus and he vanished in their sight. When you experience, then you have understanding. It's not just enough to know in your head to love one another. You have to know it in your heart. Love one another. What does it mean to love one another? To feed the poor, to feed mm -hmm. the hungry, clothe the naked, to help those who are in need. And many people for many years, when they say it takes a village, it really takes a village. People always used to help each other. We used to go down to Mississippi and on the way, my parents always 
dropped off a bag of clothes. When we would go to the hospital, my mother would go room to room, visiting people, praying for them. I said, Mama, do you know these people? She said, no, but everybody needs prayer. Hmm. And so that's something yeah. the older people always had done. So it's time for us to remember and to go back to the old landmark and do what we know is good and right to help one another. Hmm. I love that line that you shared about how these men that Jesus was walking with on the road to Emmaus, they had knowledge of Jesus, yes. but part of what Jesus did through his revelation to That's them right. on the road was to give them understanding. Understand. Was there a moment for you when in your life it went from knowledge of Jesus to understanding of Jesus in a way that it clicked and you realized, oh, okay, it's not enough for me just to say, I'm a Christian and I love my neighbor, I'm actually going to put that in play in my life. Was there a moment for you when those dots got connected? Well, there was a moment when now all my life, I always knew we helped one another. That was something we did. It was a part of our livelihood to help each other. But one day um, I was in church and Reverend Grant, William Grant was preaching at Rockdale Baptist Church. And I was about 10 years old. And, and when he got through preaching, and um, he was saying, give your heart to Jesus, my feet just started moving. And one of the reasons why I never wanted to go up front, because they make you talk. And I really didn't want to talk. You've never and, done and, that to me, no. right? <laughs> He's and, done but, that. But I, was, but I was young. And so I walked. I didn't know what I was going to say, but tears was rolling down my face because I knew I wanted Jesus. Hmm. I knew that. And, um, and he didn't make me talk. And they prayed for me, and I received the Lord hmm. as my Savior that Sunday morning. Hmm. Praise God. Amen. Amen. January 3rd. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So a lot of our people, I think, are, are listening right now. One of the things that I've been wrestling with in, in this current pandemic experience is that even though all of this digital technology gives us the ability to connect with people all across the world, maybe more easily than we were doing before, one of the things that I've found that is difficult is how to press in locally to truly care for our neighbors. It almost disconnects us from the places where we live or the places that we are. Whether it's specifically right now or just in general, for someone who may be listening right now and feeling the urge of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you know, I've had knowledge of Jesus, but I, I want understanding and I'm realizing that that means I'm going to have to change some things in my life and I'm going to have to start doing some things out of love for other people because Jesus loves other people. Amen. And if he's moving towards them, I've got to move towards them too. Amen. What advice or, or wisdom or encouragement would you have for someone who's saying, hey, I feel like I'm now starting to understand Jesus for the first time. I want to put this in play in my life. Where do I start? I think the first thing we do to start, first we pray. Without prayer, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. You don't want your labor to be in vain. The first thing to do is pray. Ask God, seek God. Lord, what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do? You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me. Make me. Show me your will in my life. Then after you pray, then get with your church or your 
religious institution, whether it's the church or the temple or the synagogue, you get with your faith-based organization and you ask the leader, how can I be of service? How can I help? Not only in our churches, but we have local schools. Schools are, um, we have a school right now. They, they drop off food on Thursday. They pack up the food, and the people come on Friday. They pick it up, and they take it to one of the public schools. Every week, every week, there are schools who need volunteers. There are charity groups that need volunteers. Get involved. Don't be an island. Don't try and be separated and off by yourself. Help somebody. Hmm. There's plenty of work for everybody. Amen. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Hmm. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that God may send more workers in the vineyard. Amen. There's plenty to do. Um, in 1986, I was going to go to pastor a church downtown, but it was close to the church that I was ordained. And I didn't want to go downtown because I didn't want anybody to think that I was trying to take people from my first church to go to the second church. And I talked to my pastor and I said, I really don't want to come because I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to steal members. And my pastor smiled. He said, look, you come on down here. There's enough sinners for all of us. There's enough work for everybody. There's no competition. Come. There's always something for somebody in the organization to do. Hmm. Amen. Thank you so much for those words. And thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I, I know that this was a blessing for me, and I hope and pray it was a blessing for you guys as well. And I would wonder, just in closing today, Bishop, would you pray a blessing over us and over our church family together? We will pray, but I thank God for you, Pastor William, because only you could get me out at this time. <laughs> only you. So we thank God for Pastor William, his beautiful wife, Sister Savannah, and the beautiful church, the Mission of Cincinnati. We thank God for you and what you are doing in Cincinnati because we know that we have a mission and you are doing that mission. Mm-hmm. Lord, we are so grateful. We're thankful for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your compassion. Yes, we thank you, God, because you are still in control. Yes, no Jesus. matter what's going thank on you, down Lord. here, you know and you understand. And you have all power in your hands. As that old song says, you got the whole world in your hands. Mm-hmm. And we are grateful. We are thankful. Father God, we pray for the health the health leaders. We pray for the doctors, the scientists. We pray, oh God, that they will find a cure, a vaccination for this deadly disease. We pray, oh God, that you bring families and loved ones together, that you will bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Oh God, we pray that you restore our joy, renew our faith. We pray, oh God, that we will feel our hearts strangely warm Mm. because you have been with us at this moment, at this time. And God, we pray that you your kingdom come in yes, earth Jesus. as it is in heaven. Yes, Lord, Lord, to you be the kingdom, to you be the glory, to you be the honor and dominion and power forever and ever. We thank you. And now may your blessings be upon us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
I don't feel like there's really that much more that needs to be said after that amazing conversation with Bishop O'Neill, but I did want to take just a few moments together to leave us with a couple specific thoughts about the passage. Remember that our goal in this series is to explore the questions, why does the resurrection of Jesus actually matter for our neighbors? And how does the resurrection of Jesus actually make a difference in our own lives? And the first thing that I see in this passage is that Jesus sneaks up on people right in the middle of their ordinary lives. Cleopas and his companion were headed back to Emmaus, and they may have been journeying home after the Passover meal. We're not really sure exactly why they were on the road, but we do know that this was an ordinary, everyday activity. This might have been their commute. And imagine yourself in something ordinary that you do all of the time. And imagine Jesus, the God of the universe in the flesh, showing up right in the middle of that thing, unlooked for and unrecognized. Our God is someone who makes himself present right in the midst of what people are going through. And I can't say for certain. The passage doesn't tell us about what Jesus was thinking, but I believe he had fun with this. I think that he was so excited to be able to reveal himself to people right in the middle of their situations and for them to understand more of his heart for them and more of what he was now doing in the world because of his resurrection. And so the first thing to say to you is if you are in the midst of a seemingly ordinary situation and you're looking for God and thinking, has God abandoned me or left me? get ready because our God makes a habit of showing up and sometimes surprising people, taking us even off guard right in the midst of our ordinary lives, unlooked for and very often unrecognized. The second thing to say about this passage is that resurrection life changes people. You'll notice in this passage that Cleopas and his companion, even though they were followers of Jesus, did not recognize Jesus when he appeared to them on the road. And this is actually when we look at a lot of the different resurrection accounts in the Gospels, something that's rather consistent. Mary didn't recognize Jesus at the garden tomb. And elsewhere, when Jesus appears to people, they don't recognize this man that they have loved and followed for years. And I think that that's something to say to us, that if we have been raised to life in Christ, it will change us. Jesus, the scriptures tell us, is actually the first fruits of the resurrection. Part of what the Christian faith holds to as part of our hope in Christ is that at the end of all things, death will no longer be the end of our story. That just as Christ has been raised from the dead, so we too who are in Christ by faith will be raised from the dead. And so if you are in Jesus, if you have said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and I give my life to him to follow him and to know him, death is not the end of your story anymore. You look different now because resurrection life is going on in your heart. You have been born again. If you truly believed that death was not the end of your story, how might it free you to live differently, to think differently, to change your priorities, to feel less fear, to feel more courage, to feel more joy or hope? Our passage reminds us that resurrection life transforms people. And just as Christ has been raised, so if you are in Christ, you will be raised too. And that is a great reason to hope because Christian, 
if you are in Jesus, death is not the end of your story. The third thing to say about this passage is that I believe when Jesus opens the scriptures to Cleopas and his companion, he's not just holding a Bible study officiated by God. He's actually kindling their imaginations to understand and believe in what the kingdom of God could look like. The kingdom of God, when God accomplishes everything God has always purposed and planned to do, what could that look like? What will it look like at the end of things? And then what could it look like today as they get in on what God is doing in the world right now through faith in Jesus and action for his sake? This, I think, is why their hearts were burning. Not just because they gained new understanding from the passages, but because they saw how that understanding from the scriptures showed them what God was doing in Jesus, what he had accomplished through the death and resurrection of, the, of Christ, and how that makes all the difference in the world, that everything is new now, everything is different, everything is possible, because God raised Jesus from the dead. And so I think the same is true for us. When we understand and recognize through the scriptures what God has done in and through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we suddenly believe that so many more things are possible. And that makes a difference in our lives because we have a hope that comes from outside of us, not something that we had to forge ourselves. And so I think it's important to say that the kingdom of God is a scriptural reality. We're not just talking about community development here or sort of what can we put in play in our neighborhoods by our best thinking or ideas. We're actually talking about something that God is doing in Jesus, a fixed point towards which all of history, time, and space are moving and that indeed has already begun. When Jesus was raised from the dead, God pressed play on the vision of the kingdom of God. And each and every one of us, you and me, all of us, as soon as we put our faith in Christ, we can join Jesus in what he's doing to reveal his kingdom here and now. And that's something that goes beyond the temporal hopes that our politics and our different things of our lives call us to place our hope in or give our attention to. It's actually giving people something real. It's saying, join in the story of the destiny of the universe where everything is headed. Come and join this and be fueled by power that raises people from the dead. Not just power that can put stimulus check money in your bank accounts. Power that can raise you from the dead and alter the end of your human story. And so the final thing I'd say about this is that by faith, we can join in this today. If you're wondering, Lord, I want your resurrection life to matter more in my own heart. I want it to make a difference more significantly in my neighborhood. Where do I begin? Will you begin by saying yes to Jesus? Everything that he showed Cleopas and his companions about how all of scripture and all of history and all of the story of God pointed to what God was going to do in Jesus. You say yes to that and say, I want that Jesus story to be my story, the central thing that animates my life. And from that, I think there are a couple things we can take from this passage about practical ways to get in more significantly in the work that God is doing in the world. The first thing I would encourage you is to say, get around inspirational people. 
Who are the people in your life who, when they open the scriptures to you, your heart starts burning? They have some way of being able to compellingly capture a vision of the kingdom of God and distill it to you in a way that makes you say, wow, this is extraordinary. Get around those people. Spend time with them so that you are being built up as you pursue Christ rather than distracted or torn down. The second I would say is get for yourself a vision of the kingdom of God. And where are you going to go to do that in addition to inspirational people who know Jesus from the scriptures themselves? I encourage you to see the Bible not as some sort of dead, antiquated book, but as the arena in which God has throughout history and continues to encounter his people. It is an encounter book. It gives the record of how the kingdom of God has been brought about in people's lives. And as you read that, as you spend time with that, as you look for the activity of Jesus in its pages, you will gain a vision for the kingdom of God. You'll see what God wants to do in the world. And then you'll be excited. Your heart will burn within you as you see that Jesus wants to get you in on his work to transform our world and reveal his kingdom here and now. And then I'd also say, go and meet your neighbors. What an amazing time to go local when we're all stuck in our homes. To meet your neighbors, maybe from the sidewalk or something, but to learn who they are. And through that, to learn what are the needs on your street? How can your street more fully reveal the kingdom of God, more fully look like what the whole world will look like when God does everything that God has always purposed to do? Learn those things. And then bring those things to God in prayer. I loved how Bishop O'Neill shared with us that prayer is the starting place. As you learn the needs of the world, you're going to realize, I'm not smart enough or strong enough to fix all of these things. I need God to do something. Lord, how can you make a difference in these things? But if you bring those things before the Lord, be prepared for him to speak. And when he, and, and God's speaking, I think we, we think of it as like pillars of fire, angel messengers, and all these crazy things. It may just be an idea that starts nagging at your heart. Something that gets sort of file dropped into your head that you can't stop thinking about. I would say if you are beginning to discern God's voice, pay attention to those things. And when you get one of those things in the aftermath of prayer, act on it. And finally, don't act alone. Bring someone with you. This is part of why we are the body of Christ. Bring people from our church, other believers in your life. Bring them with you to step into these ideas you have to transform your street and your community, to meet needs of your neighbors. This is God's vision to mobilize a task force, an army, if you will, of his followers in the earth who are fulfilling his vision and mission, bringing about his kingdom every day through faith and action. Mission Cincinnati, love Jesus. And as you love Jesus and pursue his heart, and as he shows you his heart for the world, love your neighbor. Turn outward and get involved in revealing God's kingdom on your street, in your neighborhood. Amen.